Chapter 11. Seek and Destroy. Early the next morning, Jack is sleeping when he is awakened by a pounding on his door. He gets up still groggy, and goes across to peek through the peephole, but can barely make out the person on the other side. Who is it? It's Hal, Jack, I came to tell you what happened last night, over at my place. Jack opens the door and lets him in. Hal blurts out, the firemen showed up at each apartment last night, they had a little kid with them. They got everybody in the apartment to come to the door and ask the kid if any of them was the guy that gave him the note. What note? Jack plays dumb. Well, it seems they got a threatening note at the coffee shop yesterday, and it was delivered by the kid. So, now, they want to know who sent the kid. So then what? The kid couldn't finger anybody so they said, fire protection is going up by $10 a month for everybody, until they find out who wrote it Hal continues. They're going from building to building, I'm guessing they'll be here tonight. I appreciate the warning. But, why did you come over at this hour to tell me? I just had a gut feeling, after our talk the other day, that you should know, just a feeling. If you know what I mean. Sure. Thanks. Later that evening, Jack is sitting in his kitchen, when he hears a neighboring apartment door, along the hall, being pounded on. There is a muted conversation for a few moments, then more pounding, the noise is getting progressively closer, as they move from one apartment to the next. Soon, they reach Jack's door. He reluctantly cracks it open, and three thugs push the door in his face, opening it wide. The kid who planted the note is shoved through the open doorway, as the thug holding him points at Jack, how about this dude? Is this him? The boy looks at Jack for a few seconds, then shakes his head and looks down at the floor. One of the men snaps at the boy, I'm getting a little tired of this shit sonny boy. You best be getting your memory straight, or I'll be beginning to think you made all this shit up. He then addresses Jack, we'll be back next month. Save up an extra 10 bucks, insurance premiums are going up until we straighten this out. Then, they pull the kid out of the doorway and leave, moving to the next apartment. Jack closes the door behind them, and can still hear the muffled banter, as they continue to move down the hall. The next morning, Jack visits the public library. He is seated before a computer screen, reading, Digitoxin Toxicity, Oral Doses Effective After 2 Hours, Lethal dosage 5 to 25 milligrams, dependent on body mass. An hour later, he is at the lunch box sitting at the counter with his coffee. He waits until Charlie goes into the back room, before quickly stuffing several packets of sugar from one of the booths, into his pocket. Then, he hurries back to the counter, where he finishes his coffee before leaving. The pills he stole from Mrs. Murray lay in front of him, on his kitchen table, he has ground them into powder. Now, he carefully slits open two of the sugar packets he took from the lunchbox and empties them. He pours the powder into the empty packets, resealing each with a spot of glue. The following day, Jack arrives at the lunchbox earlier than usual to find the place empty, except for Charlie. How's things going Charlie? Charlie looks at the clock, same shit. Just waiting for those pricks to show up, as usual. As Charlie disappears into the kitchen, Jack immediately moves over to the gang's booth, removing all the sugar packets from the container. He replaces them with his own containing the digitoxin, and returns to the counter. Minutes later, the firemen enter boisterously and take their seats at the booth. Get your ass out here with the cups Charlie boy. DS calls out, as Charlie hurries from the kitchen with coffees in hand. Jack watches as DS pours the contents of every sugar packet into his coffee, before looking for more. Hey, Charlie, we need more sugar out here, I like my coffee like my ladies, hot, black and sweet, if you know what I mean. Charlie rushes over with more sugar. 
Jack watches, as Diaz starts to drink his coffee. Several minutes pass and he notices the more he drinks, the quieter Diaz becomes. Hey boy, what's with ya? One of the gang remarks, ya ain't said shit, and ya ain't looking that good, either. I ain't feeling so great, somehow, replies Diaz, I'll be best going home, and getting a little nappy in. You be needing some help? One of them asks. Since when does I need help with anything? Slurs Diaz. He gets up and walks unsteadily, out of the lunchbox. A few seconds later, Jack rises and follows him. Diaz is stumbling along the sidewalk, toward his building, and Jack is following from a distance, across the street. As Diaz arrives at the door of his apartment building, he opens it and falls into the doorway. Jack sees him stumble, and hurries over. Come on, man, let me help you. With Jack's help, Diaz struggles to his feet, slurs in unintelligible agreement, and they slowly ascend the stairs to his apartment. Diaz struggles with the key, finally managing to open the door. Jack helps him over to his bed, dropping him onto it, and sits in a chair next to him. He stares at the prone barely conscious man. Several minutes pass, as Jack agonizes. Suddenly, he arises and hurries into the kitchen, searching for a plastic bag. He finds one and returns to the bedroom. Jack lifts the unconscious DS, slipping the bag over his head. Looking away, he clamps the bag in place over the man's nose and mouth, as DS struggles weakly, gasping for breath. After a minute or so, DS quivers briefly, until, finally, he is lifeless. Jack rolls his limp body over on the bed, and takes a large wad of bills from the man's pocket, before removing the bag. He stands for a moment, staring at Diaz's corpse, and again sits back down on the chair, still staring. He lowers his head into his hands. The words of his priest ring loudly through his mind. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Eventually, Jack slowly rises and leaves, using Diaz's key to lock the door behind him. An hour later, he is sitting on a church pew, waiting to enter the confessional. As he waits, he kneels, with folded hands and head hanging. The door of the confessional opens and the confessor before him leaves. Slowly, Jack enters the box. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been five years since my last confession. I have. Jack stops. He restarts the confession, I have. Again, he stops in mid-sentence. The priest interrupts the silence, our Lord forgives all, no matter how great the sin if the sinner is truly repentant. And, if the sin is just. Questions Jack. That is for God to decide. First, you must confess and repent, in order to receive absolution. After another silence, Jack suddenly arises and leaves the confessional.